0: My message is simple and easy. I just want to remind everybody that our Christmas Eve services will be at 8, 9, 30, and 11. So uh, we will see you at Christmas Eve, Sunday morning. Uh, it's kind of fun to have Christmas Eve on Sunday morning, huh? Then we worship Jesus and then go have fun with family and worship Jesus all some more. So it'll be great. So Christmas Eve, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Bring a friend, right? All right. That'll be good. Alright, grab your Bible this morning, open it to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one. Our theme for this year is what? What well, I believe. What do you said? The wonder of Christmas. And what I believe. Very good. That's good. We got it. We got both of them at the same time. The wonder of Christmas is our Christmas theme this year. And Uh, We want to talk about stories at Christmas this year because stories are powerful and they're memorable. Now, some stories evoke fear in our hearts, right? How many of you remember when you were a kid and you were camping and your older uncle told you a scary story and kept you up all night, right? Stories evoke fear. Some stories make us emotional and we cry or we laugh hysterically. Some stories just make us angry, right? I watched the news last night. I won't tell you the story because I don't want you to be angry right now, but the story made me angry. When I watched the news about something that happened in our community, I just got angry about this horrible thing that happened. And some stories, like the Christmas story, are so interesting that they make us wonder. See, the Christmas story is a story that makes us wonder. Let me tell you the definition of wonder. If you use the, the word wonder as a verb, it means to speculate curiously, or to be curious about, or be curious to know something. That's the first definition is you, is, if you use it as a verb. If you use it as a noun, it means the emotion excited by what is strange and surprising a feeling of surprised or puzzled interest, sometimes tinged with admiration. So this word wonder is really important because the Christmas story makes us wonder. There's things to be curious about in the story. There are things that are surprising and puzzling and sometimes strange. And it happens all at the same time. Think with me just for a minute about Some of the very wonderful things that are in the Christmas story, but also just start to kind of make you think, like a virgin getting pregnant by the Spirit of God, or some really old people getting pregnant way past their time. Angels virtually everywhere in the story, talking, singing, being in dreams all over the place. There's the birth of a new kind of king who not only is he a king, he's also a priest, At the same time, a baby that everyone speaks about, and when they speak about him, they say that he will save the world. A baby is also fulfilling ancient words spoken about one person only, and they call it prophecy. A baby that has a very peculiar name, the name Jesus, because the name means he will save us from our sins and a baby that causes a radical new thing to happen in many people in this story that are just ordinary people like you and me. The Bible says they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then wise men travel from a foreign land declaring they've seen a brand new star birthed in space, declaring that the King of Kings has been born. These are crazy and strange and marvelous and wonderful things that all make up the Christmas story. Now during this year, during the Christmas season, we're going to hear from three different speakers this, this year. And each of them are going to share something curious, surprising, or puzzling from the Christmas story that they enjoy. Something about Jesus and about the miracle of God coming to earth to save us. Now this morning, today, I want to look at a a fairly obscure piece in the Christmas story that is full of wonder. It's a part of the Christmas story that is fairly easy for you and I to just kind of pass over or miss. It may look like a small section or part or idea in the Christmas story, but I actually believe it's a monumental part of the Christmas story. In fact, you might even say that it's so vital to the Christmas story because what we're going to look at this morning is about our relationship with Jesus and how he empowers every generation to live for him. It's a truly wonderful and powerful part of the Christmas story. This amazing piece of the Christmas story is weaved throughout everything in the story. In fact, you might say that this important part of the story is guiding and leading every individual in the story. We first see this important fact of the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. But if we're going to look at it in context and get the whole idea of the story, we need to back up a little bit to verse 26. So look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 with me. And we're going to read through verse 38, and we'll look at the first thing that I wonder about at Christmas. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. As we read these verses, hopefully you've been trying to pick out the part of the wonder of the Christmas story that I want to talk about this morning. Maybe it's the idea of pregnancy, right? Maybe we should talk about that since it's kind of peculiar how it happens. You can laugh, it's okay. Maybe it's the angels. Maybe it's the idea of prophecy weave through everything. Maybe it's that God's word is never failing. See, there's lots of cool things that we could talk about through the birth of Jesus, and they're all wonderful things, but this morning, the wonderful thing I want us to see is not a thing, it's a someone. It's the Holy Spirit. I want us to notice this morning something in verse 35. In verse 35, it says, The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. See, what we see in this verse and what we will see in many other verses that we'll talk about this morning is that the Holy Spirit is working everything behind the scenes in the Christmas story. See, this marvelous work of a wise and creative God is happening through the work of the Holy Spirit. The third person in the Trinity of God is at work everywhere in this story. In fact, one of the things that you will discover when you look at God doing something very creative and very wise, and when he's very, very present, you will find the Holy Spirit almost every single time. Let me give you an example. If you look at the very first verse in our Bible, Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's God being wise and creative again. And it says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. At the very first moment when God created our planet, who was there? The Holy Spirit. When God did the next biggest thing on our planet, and he brought Jesus here, who was there? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was orchestrating and working all of these really cool parts of the Christmas story. The first one being that the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary, he would overshadow her, and she would become pregnant with God himself. What an amazing thing that the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary and empower her. So when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary... God was able to use her for a special purpose because the Holy Spirit had come upon her. And I want to tell you this morning something very true as well, and that is that the same is true for you today. That exact same thing can happen to you and me. Because of Jesus, one of the greatest benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection is actually that every one of us who believes in Jesus can be filled and will be filled with the Holy Spirit and we can be used by God for specific purposes, just like Mary was. See, Mary got to be the very first person to reveal Jesus to the world. But you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, get to reveal Jesus to our world today because we are empowered with the Holy Spirit and we get to accomplish the same task right here in Cheney on the West Plains and in the state of Washington. We get to reveal Jesus to the world around us, just like Mary did. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen after his death and his resurrection for every believer that would follow him. He declared it in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is our job. This is our role now. This is part of our job description as Christians, is to be a witness, is to share Jesus with others. So Mary kind of got us started. She, She got filled with the Holy Spirit, and she got to be used for a special purpose. Now, there's something interesting that the angel also says to Mary here. The angel says that the baby to be born will be holy. And there's something, I think, theological important and something that's kind of wonderful in this and that we might wonder about. And so I thought I'd just touch on it just for a minute because it's in this verse. The baby to be born will be holy. Now it's interesting, the angel says in context that The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, because you are a virgin, and the Holy Spirit must come upon you to bring Jesus into this world because Jesus needs to be holy. In other words, what the angel's saying is this, that when two humans conceive a child, that baby is not holy. That baby is born with a sin nature just like you and I were, right? Now, let me be very clear about something. The act of sex and marriage is not unholy. I wanted to be very clear about that, okay? As we went forward. Okay, not laughter again. We'll just move on. I want to make sure that we're clear here so nobody leaves thinking that we shouldn't have sex in marriage. You should, as often as you can. But here's what's interesting, what the angel is saying, that when two humans get together and produce a child, the sinful nature is passed on from two people that have a sinful nature. It's passed on to the child. Therefore, something very, very different needed to happen for Jesus to come into the world. First, we needed to find a woman that had never been with a man. So that she was still, in, in a sense, her womb was still perfect. And then second, it couldn't be conceived by a man because a man is unholy, it must be conceived by somebody who is holy and who is that pers- holy person? The Holy Spirit. And so we have this amazing, marvelous, wonderful thing that is happening because the only way for Jesus to come into the world as the Holy One of God, able to die for our sins and come back to life and conquer death so that we could have eternal life was that he would have to be conceived and born in a holy way. That's why the Holy Spirit finds Mary. And that's why the Holy Spirit uses Mary to do this radical miracle and place God himself in Mary's womb. So the first wonderful thing I see in the story that the Holy Spirit is doing is this work that God is doing in Mary that he still wants to do in you and me. The second time we see the Holy Spirit working in the Christmas story is in verse 39, when Mary leaves town and goes to visit Elizabeth. Now, I don't know because I've never been in Mary's situation and hopefully ladies, none of you have been in Mary's situation. But if you lived in a culture where if you got pregnant out of wedlock, the consequence was stoning, what would you immediately do if you got pregnant? Hide out. Hide out. That's exactly right. Let's hide out somewhere. And where better to hide than with your other cousin who is hiding out, Elizabeth. So she quickly what? Gets out of town. And what a wise thing to do. <coughs> but when Elizabeth goes to meet, when, when Mary goes to meet Elizabeth and visit her, something extraordinary happens with the Holy Spirit and Mary and Elizabeth. Look at it with me in verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, I want us to notice something powerful and vital to our lives as followers of Jesus in this story as well. Notice that Mary is carrying Jesus inside her, and Jesus is one of the Trinity, right? He's one with the Father. He's one with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, Mary is now full of the presence of God. And when Mary and Elizabeth are are both coming together, and, and Mary first steps into the room, it says, Elizabeth's child leaps within her. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She gives a a glad cry. And she announces that her baby has jumped for joy in her womb. See, Mary and Elizabeth are both experiencing a miracle of God inside of them. The child that each of them carries is a wonder. Their pregnancies are strange and surprising, puzzling and exciting and the miracle inside of each of them is miraculously curious now i want you to notice the result of them being in one another's presence the result of the holy spirit having already filled mary and now filling elizabeth is joy the result of the holy spirit inside of them is joy Elizabeth's child leaps for joy. Elizabeth gives a joyful cry. And Mary says something astounding. Mary says, My spirit rejoices, has great joy in God, my Savior. Now, why is this important? Why is this important for you and I today to look at what the Holy Spirit did in Mary and Elizabeth? Because... Every one of us is spirit. Every single one of us is spirit. I don't know if you knew that, but theologically, you are more spirit than you are body. The Bible says that what? God knew you before he created the earth. He knew you before he put you in your mother's womb. That means you are spirit before you are body. So the real you is a spiritual person more than it is A fleshly person. In fact, in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says that our body is just a tent. In fact, what what Paul is saying theologically is right now you are camping. That's what you're doing. You're going to camp for however long, 30 years, 50 years, 70, 90, however long you want to. But this body of yours, this flesh, you're camping in it. Now, what does that mean? Well, when we go camping, we don't live there forever, right? You put up your tent, you get your firewood out, you get your, your lantern, you get all your stuff out, but you're just there what? Temporarily. You're only there for a little bit. It's just a weekend, maybe a week if you're really lucky. This body is a tent. It's just temporary. You were alive before you came into this tent, and you will be alive after you are in this tent. The real you is spirit. And here's what Mary says. My spirit, the real me, at the core of who I am, is rejoicing in God my Savior through the power of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth said, everything about me right now is jumping for joy because Jesus is in my presence. Here's what I want to tell you that when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you because you believe in Jesus, you now have the greatest connection with God that you will ever have while you live here. Your spirit can now rejoice and have joy with God who is spirit because of what the Holy Spirit does in our life. See, as we choose to live in the spirit today, we get the same experience, the same miraculous connection that Mary and Elizabeth had with Jesus and with God through the Holy Spirit. And one of the minor results of the Holy Spirit is joy. Galatians 5 calls it a fruit of the Spirit. It's part of what grows inside of us. It's our fruit of being a Christian. So a result of the Holy Spirit filling us is joy. Another result of the Holy Spirit filling someone is found in verse 67. Look at verse 67. In verse 67, we see the end of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. <coughs> John the Baptist has now been born, and Zechariah, you'll remember, uh, he. He saw an angel too. <laughs> and the angel told him that his wife would have a son and he was to call that son John. And because Zechariah at the time didn't believe the angel completely and totally, he became mute. He couldn't talk. And um, we can all relate to Zechariah, right? Because how many of us would believe an angel would have stood in front of us, right? <laughs> like we probably all would have a little bit, some doubts and a little bit curiosity and kind of wonder a little bit what's going on. And and we might kind of maybe doubt a little bit. And in that doubting, God said, Zachariah, you're, you're going to be mute during the entire pregnancy. So for nine months, Zachariah cannot talk. But when Zachariah finally has this moment where they take, him to the, they take John, their son, to the temple and the people at the temple say, what are you going to name your son? And Elizabeth says, his name's going to be John. And everybody there says, well, you can't name him John because no one in your family is named John because that's how kind of families did things back then. You named the child after someone in your family. It kind of helped everybody know the family lineage. And so they said to Zachariah, Zachariah, are you sure you want to name your son, John, and he gets out a tablet and he writes on it, his name is John. And immediately, he gets his voice back. And when he gets his voice back, there's something interesting that happens. Look at it with me in verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised, through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by redeeming his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. <clears throat> now here's what I want us to see. That when Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesies. This is another result of the Holy Spirit filling us. Zechariah begins to prophesy about the revelation of Jesus. And Zechariah says a lot of things about Jesus. But here's what's interesting about the story. In the context, it would make sense that Zechariah would begin his prophecy with his own son. But he doesn't. He begins his prophecy with Jesus. Now why is that important? Because prophecy should always point to Jesus first, amen? And that's what prophecy does it reveals Jesus, it helps us understand the wonder of God. Prophecy helps us with strange and surprising and wonderfully curious statements about this child Jesus. In fact, now Zechariah uses prophecy to reveal even more about this child Jesus that has come to the earth and helps us with the wonder that everyone probably had about who Jesus was and why, why, are, why are Zachariah and Elizabeth having a son? Why is their niece or their cousin getting ready to have a son and she's a virgin? Why is all this happening? Well, Zachariah tells us because God is visiting the earth because God is redeeming his people Because Jesus, the savior of the world, the descendant of David, the fulfillment of the prophets, the answer to the covenant God gave Abraham will come and rescue us from our enemy. And lastly, he will help us live in holiness and righteousness as long as we live. See, the gift of prophecy will always glorify Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit filled Zechariah, he began to prophesy and exalt Jesus. And I think it's fitting for us today because we desperately need the gift of prophecy in operation today in the church, amen? I think we need it. We need the gift of prophecy because it's an encouragement. It's a faith builder. It points our lives to Jesus It reminds us why we're living for Christ. It reveals that God sees what's going on in our life, in our individual lives, what we're going through, and that he will take care of us. And it gives us courage to stand for Jesus in our world today. And so you and I, we need prophecy in our life. We should seek it out, we should desire it. And if you are wondering what it means to have the gift of prophecy, you should seek to use that gift because it's a wonderful gift for the church and the church needs it today. One of the last wonderful moments that the Holy Spirit has in the Christmas story is in chapter two. In chapter two, Jesus has been born. The beginning of Luke chapter two, We read about the birth of Jesus, how Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, that they had baby Jesus in a manger, how shepherds visited angels, and the angels came to Mary and Joseph and told them all that the angels said. And so we see the birth of Jesus there at the beginning of chapter two, but then right in the middle of the chapter, starting in verse 21, And then moving on, Mary and Joseph do what is required in the Old Testament law with Jesus because he is the firstborn son in their family. And whenever you have a firstborn son in your family, you are required by Old Testament law to take your son to the temple and dedicate him to the Lord, promise him to the Lord. And so it's been eight days since Jesus has been born And so Joseph and Mary are doing the customary thing that you would do. Now, thankfully, Bethlehem is very close to Jerusalem. You can actually walk from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. It would be like walking from here to Four Lakes or maybe a little bit further, but not too far of a walk. And in a a day when everybody is walking, remember, there weren't any scooters. And so Joseph and Mary couldn't jump on their scooter. And even if they had a scooter, Joseph most likely would have said, honey, you're not possibly going to ride the scooter with a baby in your arms, are you? So they wouldn't have been able to ride a scooter anyway. They would have had to walk. But it's a very simple walk. You just, you're up on the Mount of Olives and you walk down out of Jerusalem and through the canyon, through the Kidron Valley and up into Jerusalem and up onto the Temple Mount and you would dedicate your son there. But there's a very peculiar and wonderfully curious story that takes place as Joseph and Mary go up to the temple to dedicate Jesus. While they're in the temple area, they're met by two people. Two people that are complete strangers to them. Two people that literally just walk up to them and declare the praises of Jesus as Mary holds him. Those two people are Simeon and Anna. And they confirm that Jesus is the Messiah and they reveal how special of a baby Jesus really is. Now, in particular, I want us to look at the context of Simeon in verse 25. Look at it with me. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Now follow me quickly, because there are three things that this little section tells us about the Holy Spirit. The first one is in verse 25. And it says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was on him. In verse 26, it says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then in verse 27, it says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So here's what's really cool. Look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in Simeon. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. The Holy Spirit is talking to him and revealing an incredible truth about Jesus to him. And the Holy Spirit moves him to be at the exact right time, at the exact right place, so that he might get to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit is working this. Now, why is this so wonderful to me? (laughs) Why is the story of Simeon so wonderful to me? It's so wonderful to me because it's just like what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and me today. Now, follow me. Simeon is just an average guy. This is why I love this story. This part of this Christmas story. Simeon is an average guy. He's not important to the Christmas story. He's not prophesied about earlier, 700 years earlier, 500 years. We have none of the prophets that say Simeon would come to visit Jesus. So he's not a fulfillment of prophecy. He's not necessarily a part of the Christmas story. He's not a priest. He's not a king. He's not anyone important in society. He's just an average guy With a big prayer request. Anybody in the room, an average person with a big prayer request? (coughs) Me too. You and I are just average people with big prayer requests. Now, I will note that Simeon's prayer request might be a tiny bit bigger than the rest of us. He wants to see God in the flesh. Now where'd Simeon get that idea? Where did Simeon get the idea that God was going to come and visit our planet? From the prophets. From the law and the prophets that had all revealed that the Messiah would come. And so Simeon for his entire lifetime his one big prayer is I want to see the Messiah. See the story of Simeon is very important for us today because we are average people too. We're just average people with big prayer requests and we're hoping that God is listening to them. But here's what's interesting. When you and I choose to believe in Jesus and when you and I choose to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, then three things can happen. The Holy Spirit can come upon us. The Holy Spirit can reveal truth to us. And the Holy Spirit can move us to be in the right place at the right time so that Jesus can be exalted in our life. Now, in order to do that, you have to be open and ready for the Holy Spirit to use you. Every single day of every single month of every single year, you have to wake up in the morning and as your feet go off of your bed and hit the floor, you have to be ready to be used by the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to someone. And since the Holy Spirit lives inside of every believer in Jesus, he wants to use you to glorify Jesus. He wants to reveal and exalt Jesus to those around you. And so, you and I have this possibility inside of us. This possibility because of Jesus. And this is the wonderful part of the Christmas story. Is that not only did Jesus come and die for our sins and rise again that you and I might have eternal life, but he also came so that you and I would live in the power of the Holy Spirit all the days of our life. Because of Jesus, because our sin is now as far away as the east is from the west, in fact, when God the Father looks inside of us, he sees Jesus in us, not our sin. Now, because of that, you and I, in a way, are like what Mary experienced with the Holy Spirit. Holiness came to live inside of her. Same is true for you. The Holy Spirit is holiness living inside of you. And he can use you in special and creative and strange and puzzling and marvelous ways every single day to exalt Jesus. John the Baptist said it like this. When John and Jesus got older and John began to reveal Jesus to the world and a moment when John was Getting ready to baptize Jesus, here's what John said about Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered them all I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, what John knew is what we need to know today. And that is that that Jesus wants to baptize every one of us. Jesus wants every single one of us to be full of the Holy Spirit, to be dripping wet with the Holy Spirit. When somebody is baptized with water, the result is that they are completely wet. When somebody is baptized with the Holy Spirit, they are full of the Holy Spirit. He's upon you. He's around you, he's in you, he's flowing out of you. This is the power that God wants us to live in that we see all throughout the Christmas story that is happening to individuals over and over and over and over again that come in contact with Jesus even as a baby, even not even born yet. Because what's actually breaking out is Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit at the same time all at this one moment in history. That's why the Christmas story is wonderful. Because our salvation and our ability to live for God are happening at the exact same time. Would you stand with me? Now, as we close, let me point out something that was common among every person in the Christmas story. We'll see this throughout every message that we talk about all through the Christmas season. Every person, when they were touched by the Holy Spirit, had a desire to exalt Jesus with their life moving forward. Every person... This is why it's so important for you and I today, because we wanna be people that are thriving and growing and have a really, really vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he's the one who helps us live for Jesus and exalt him in all that we do. We see this in the Christmas story. It's everywhere. But it's one of those things that when you read the story, you might just wonder about because it's so easy to skip over. But isn't it cool that the Holy Spirit was literally weaving everything together in the Christmas story to exalt Jesus. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do the same thing in you. He's made you, he's created you, he's fashioned you. You have special purposes, you have special gifts, you have special talents. And the Holy Spirit wants to use everything in the person that you are, the uniqueness of who you are. He wants to use all of that to exalt Jesus in those around you every single day. But that requires you and I to be in cooperation with the Holy Spirit every day. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to see this part of the Christmas story. And it's certainly wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, that when you came, you were also bringing the Holy Spirit with you. And that all these people throughout the Christmas story were being touched by the Holy Spirit over and over again. And it's a wonderful thing. Jesus, you did that so that every single generation moving forward could be touched by your spirit and live a righteous and holy life before God and spend their lifetime exalting Jesus in this world. Lord, would you help every single one of us in this room to live this way? Would you help us to live baptized and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to use our gifts, our talents, our words, our service, our resources, everything we have, Jesus, for you, for your kingdom, for your glory, for your name. May that be said of every one of us in this room. May that be said of Chini Faith Center, that we are a church Filled with the Spirit and longing to exalt Jesus in the day in which we live. We give you thanks and praise, Lord. In your name we pray. We all said? Amen. 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 It's great to see you in church. Merry Christmas. Say Merry Christmas to somebody on your way out. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. And if you'd like prayer, our prayer partners will be up front. Come on up and pray.